everybody welcome to the 308th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage kicking it live and direct man got the new big daddy Kane t-shirt how old are sage how old are you 31 <laughs> 31 but has the musical taste of a 51 year old i i i, I love it <laughs> Big I love Daddy it. Kane's one of the best ever, bro. Oh, but, I'm I'm not denying. I'm just giving you shit for being an old head. I mean, ain't no half step, and I'm quite an old head. Boom. <laughs> but but <you> know, <laughs> I do love old hip hop. I put on "Paid in Full" by Eric B and Rakim while I was cleaning today, and Olga hollered down from upstairs. She's like, "The baby's kicking!" Like the baby's like I... dancing and moving. And I was like, "Okay, that's." That's my child right there because uh, we're going to be playing a lot of paid in full um, on the speaker. So I don't uh, even think there's that many curse words on paid in full. No, there's none. Yeah, I was I was like, I was like, yeah, this is like you don't have to like I don't mind swear words in in hip hop or rap, like whatever. But it was like, no, this is like one of the best rap albums of all time. And it's it's clean. It's it's basically, you know, but a lot of great artists did that, like tribe does that de la soul like there's not a whole lot of swearing like they just kick the rhymes yeah because because i'm trying to think like this was their first album in marley mall yeah i guess there was no curse words and i I just love the way that he uh just like you know there was a lot of fast rap he just rode the beat and relaxed it's a completely different type of energy but uh yeah i guess i am i have the hip-hop taste of a very old man but I do, I do dig some some newer stuff. But you know, but you like you got, what you like. As you get older, man, it's like I don't need to dig for new records. Like that used to be me hard, hard, hard body because I was in radio for so long. So like I wanted to have the hottest, the, like the newest music. You All had the, to. Yeah, I had to, because I, I was also competing with like Matt Nilkin, who's like one of the best producers in Portland. So I was like, it, it was a competition of finding the freshest shit. Now at 31, I'm not competing with F- or anybody. I'm not competing with anybody from a musical taste. So You're I'm just competing back. with yourself. Yeah. I'm just reverted back to like, Oh, I love that record. I love cold G rap. I love cannabis. Like I don't need to fucking like, I used to like go to all the hip hop sites. If I knew the producer, I was downloading the record. Now. Nah, I don't need to. I don't need to know who Ninth Wonders like <laughs> project person is. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not trying to beat somebody in the you know the amount of li- listeners or downloads or any of that stuff. It's. I, I think I've, I've reached the that point as well. Like you, you plug in your your iPhone and you look at your music and it's like, oh, you have seven days worth of music here, and you 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 put on shelf like, oh, I haven't heard the song in like two years. It's like it's it's almost like clothing to me. It's like, okay, I don't need to buy everything. Go in the closet. You'll probably find something new that you haven't worn, maybe worn once, and enjoy that. So, like that's I totally agree. Like, I'll just go through my catalog. And if something new comes out that's dope, for sure, add it to the collection. But it, it's it's to the point now where it has to be like classic. Like it has to be like a fantastic album to add it because 
15, 16 year old Dustin already made enough mistakes. Like we, we don't need to keep adding bad albums to, to the catalog. I mean, just because of my job, bro, I've listened to so much dog shit over the last like decade. I mean, I I've I've gone through and had to delete. I was like, what was I thinking? Like obviously it was like pre-internet too, for me at least. So it was like you're you're buying the CD off of the single alone. And then you know sometimes that can be a wonderful experience, and sometimes it can be the worst experience you've ever. Played. I think that's more of the exception than than the rule. Is is I'm that doggy? Like, because I, I who I know who did this, but I won't say it on air. Whoever put my actual email address as the contact information for me for uh my the radio station because I was I I did multiple things, so you had to reach me somehow. I had my own email for KPSU. They put DeSage, my actual email in it. So now I got bombarded with bad hip hop on my actual email for many, <laughs> many years. Like I was, I was in, I was in Southern Oregon, still getting emails about like, play this record so we can track it, play this record so we can track it. I'm like, bro, I'm not even there. I remember one mom tried to get me to play her like 12 year old son's music on my radio show i'm like no nah, i can't i can't bro i, I, I can't ma'am <laughs> the ma'am at the end really well i, well, I did say bro and then i just was like nah i'm gonna correct it a little bit <laughs> all right what what an intro i mean come for the blazers stay for the hip-hop talk um it's always a pleasure to be with you here sage as we are kicking off uh another season of of holy backboard uh, i think i mentioned on our season preview edition that it really feels like the most wonderful time of the year and if this upcoming weekend is any indication of last weekend i think we're, we're in for we're in for a treat because saturday was one of like the all-time sports days and i had none of my favorite teams playing but i was dialed in uh three fantastic finishes in college football uh tcu and oak state go to double overtime tennessee finally beats alabama for the first time in 15 years uh usc goes down to utah utah going for that two-point conversion late and then baseball playoff baseball is madness the yankees blew a lead the padres knock off the 110 win dodgers like unheard of and then you have that 18 inning marathon uh, up in Seattle. So like it was just a wonderful sports day. And then we have got the NBA season kicking off for the Portland Trailblazers Wednesday. Sage, the Blazers wrapped up a, a five game preseason slate. Uh, the Blazers did not beat an NBA team during that run. And in fact, continuously looked worse and worse each time a new NBA opponent was was rolled out. They lost by an average of nearly 22 points per night. The, the last two matchups, both 30-point deficits. Uh, Sage, you picked the Blazers 10th. I picked the Blazers 6th. The question for you I have right off the bat, if we had done the predictions after we had seen preseason, where, where would you put Portland? Would you have changed it? I You know, it, it's tough to really, like, I feel like the 39 win threshold is a really good bet. So I didn't really pay attention to like how the Lakers looked or any real, I was just watching sporadically as a fan, not really trying to digest like where everybody's going to be ranked. I would put them nine or they're playing quality team to me. So you'd keep them the same at 10. Yeah. 
I to to be real, I would drop them. I, I had them six, ten. But I had like when I was doing the rankings, like six to ten, it was like six to eleven. Yeah, actually, you can, was like it's it's your create your own story, really. For, yeah, I mean, you you can't really be wrong. And I was you know really excited going into the season. I, I still think that they could they could be fun potentially. But like after I saw that, I was like, whoa, that that gave me a little uh pause for concern. And I'm of the mind that preseason matters. Um, unless you're the Heatles or the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, when you can just turn it on and you know, like you could be the eighth seed and still win the championship. That's when you don't pay attention to preseason really. But when you're a team like Portland, who is really trying to kind of put the NBA on notice and, um, make a playoff berth after not being in the playoffs last year, uh, I, I tend to put more stock into what I saw. You know, we all remember how bad the Blazers looked that 1920 season, especially that that preseason when you had Aaron Baines drump, uh, you know, dumping threes over Hassan Whiteside. And it was a precursor to what was to come. Uh, probably the worst defense I've ever seen from a, a Trailblazer roster, especially from the perimeter. And everyone's like, no, it's preseason. No, don't worry about it, bro. I was like, no, I saw that. There's no way Hassan Whiteside is going to magically defend the perimeter or teams are going to magically stop shooting threes on. Like, no, that that's a problem. And there's no you way can't, to you can Hassan Whiteside, how old is he? 29, 30? Yeah. You're not teaching him a new trick and no, especially to not. be mobile he, on the he perimeter. He is a drop coverage big. You're not going to have him out there hedging like he's Bam out of bio. So well, we tried to do that for use of Nurkic last year and look how that happened there's something about body types where you can't ask somebody that's done drop covers their entire life to move those hips and stay with a guard there's just no way you can ask that and it'd be a successful transition who does that besides bam out of bio and maybe Jalen Dern maybe Evan Mobley okay yeah fair enough I forgot about Evan Mobley but yeah there's it's a very select few of big men that are built for that uh that ask all the time and so i would this, even say bam out of is not perfect at it no one's perfect at it that so that beast hasn't been birthed yet or in the league yet despite the lackluster performance in preseason we'll we'll go with the positive route first through five games plus fan fest what gives you optimism what what are you excited about heading into this 2022-2023 season? Shaden Sharp obviously is number one, and I think both of our minds about the number one ultimate positive is him. Um, There's still issues with Shaden, especially as a playmaker and a dribbler, but his mentality is get to the paint at all costs. He is an aggressive slasher at getting to the paint, and now that Terry Stotts isn't there, to like make him be that corner shooter. And I think that he can be, but he's his mentality is get to the rim and make a play. Obviously there's some things that I've heard, like his body language might be bad, but that mentality of going to the rim and trying to make a play happen. It, it makes you really excited about the future of the Blazers. I don't think this is the year to be excited about the Blazers with everybody being healthy and teams that are good getting better. What you have to look at is Shaden Sharp just being excellent and the uh, the potential transcendent wing that we've all wanted. 
yeah, he's he's clearly the the standout right now in in my eyes. And it doesn't matter if the Blazers win 52 or or 25 games. Like if if Shaden Sharp progresses to where we need him to be, that that's that's a victory. Mm-hmm. What I know he got off to a, a rocky start. They played him a little bit in that first preseason game against the Clippers and you know he just kind of stood around and you know, did, it kind of felt like it, it felt like the, the game was too fast for him. He's like, holy shit, I'm actually playing. There's Dame on my on my side, and I'm going up against Kawhi and Paul George. Like, first time playing in a real game. First competitive like, game in two plus years. First competitive game in, in forever. Everyone's expecting a lot. Like, I think, like, he was just like. Did he well, brick everything? He didn't. No, the thing was, he was, like, invisible. Like, they, they, he didn't move. Because like, I was there for the second game. And it was Brandon Williams just ball hogging. So he was in the corner just chilling. So it was just like when when uh, Coach Phillips finally took Brandon Williams out, then you could see the athletic gifts. At this point in his career, he's going to need someone to give him the ball. Brandon Williams wasn't built for that. Well, that's why he's cut. Yeah. So it really all first came. Few, I didn't feel like he got the opportunities that – uh seventh overall pick should get yeah and it really i think clicked the light bulb went off in his head when they did play um the israeli team when basically a lot of the blazer uh regulars sat and he was able to go out there and he's like okay i don't have to defer to anybody this is my show and he just i i may might have watched those highlights 10 times just the package Watching him shoot the basketball, watching him uh, dribble, the pace, the gait that he runs with, just the way he dribbles with his head up. He he has a pace about him where he's never out of control. He's always at his own speed. And the, the pull-ups, the hesitation when he's playing with a defender out in the perimeter, uh, the weak side shot blocking, the finishes with, with the athleticism, like he really showed a glimpse of what could be and when when you're watching these highlights there there's sometimes when you see a player and I'll use Andre Miller for example when he scored 52 against Dallas like you knew he was like expanding every single ounce of skill and energy that he possibly and physically had to get those points and he was grinding he was grinding for those 52 points there are some players that when you watch them like that's just smooth like that they just the game is slow for them. They, they're in control. They know what they want to do. And that's what I saw. And you can, I don't care what the opponent was. When you see a player play with that type of temperament and that type of control, that that's traditionally a very good sign because we saw that greatness in Brandon Roy in summer league right off the bat. And we saw it from Damian Lillard right off the bat, just the way they were able to, control the game, play with pace and not get sped up, get to their spots, not take bad shots. Like they weren't just having heat checks either. Like Shaden was getting to the rim. He was pulling up and he he just had everything you wanted. And what, what I'm like really excited about was he continued to show those things. I mean, I love the connection that he has with, with Keon Johnson, Keon throwing those lobs, Shaden just moving off ball. So that's also what 
kind of lets me throw that Clipper game into the trash bin. Just say that was the first time Jeter's because now he is moving without the ball. Like Nurk uh, drew two or three defenders against Golden State. Shaden moved to an open spot, caught it, two dribbles, and he's finishing through contact. Keon Johnson coming down the court. Shaden's defender is ball watching and he knows that. So he slips back door and he's doing those alley-oops that we all love to see. Like it's starting to click for him and I, I, I don't know if there's three or four better players right now on, on Portland, if, I, if I'm being honest. Like, he he needs to play. He has the physical abilities to be a defender. He's going to get beat. We know that. But weak side, he's shown the athleticism to make up for that. And you're right, Sage. I love that he doesn't settle for jumpers. He takes some jump, jumpers, but he's looking to use his 6'6 frame, 200 pounds, and get into the lane and finish through contact. And, you know, this is everything you want in, in a modern day wing. So did you watch, how many games did you watch televised? I don't, I didn't get Evoca TV until oh, this oh. past week. So I was listening and then catching all of the all right. highlights. So I, I watched two games and I was there for uh, the jazz game. I've never seen a trailblazers team run so much off-ball movement for a single player, ever. Like, the only thing I can even compare it to is a Norman Powell heat check. Yusuf would try and, like, do an off-ball screen to give him room. They did that on Shaden Sharp every single time down the floor when, like, Yusuf was on the court. I've never seen them put action for a guy the way that they did for uh, for Shaden. So, at least the the team is addressing okay, we need to get this guy more space. We need to generate space. Because you, Could you imagine Yusuf sets a screen that allows Shaden to just cut baseline and get the ball and just slam it? That's a momentum-changing play. So the fact is that they're actually putting that in place to get him going downhill, that's really awesome. How do you... I guess you haven't seen it, so it's going to be a difficult ask. But when I watch Damian Lillard, He's playing at his own pace and potential fast breaks that I think he could have made. He just pulled that down and started walking it up. I'm really thinking that we are not going to be a, a team that pushes it when Damian Lillard's on the floor because it, it just, he's not. He, he, and I, I remember seeing people say, oh, he's moving so well. I'm like, yeah, he is moving well, but it's at his own pace where it's like, the Chris Paul jog up the floor, if you or the Damian Lillard jog up the floor. So I think that the the times where we push is when Gary Payton the second or Keon or Jeremy Grant gets the steal and just does it themselves, instead of like you know, Yusuf gets the rebound, outlets it to Dame, and he busts ass up the court. I don't think that happens much. I think the only time where we play with that pace of like fast break opportunities is when somebody does a jumps the route gets the ball and dribbles it down the court and slams it because i i really don't see many lob, fast break lobs in our future just because the way that i was watching dame is like oh this is his pace if if the superstar is playing at this pace we're not going to play at a faster pace damian lillard is dictating what we do offensively every time so in those times where he, we do push should be a treat and not expect it and that's a bummer. You're absolutely right. But that, that is 100% a bummer. And it was my big critique of B-Roy is B-Roy would not push the pace at all. He wanted to go slow, half court, grind it out. And, you know, I'm not complaining too much. He was a, a three-time all-star. However, 
you have you have players. You have you athletes, man. You have athletes. You need to get them going. You need to get the fans going. Like the Blazers half court offense. The, say what you want about Terry Stotts. That the the half court offense was better under Terry Stotts than it is now. I mean, the half court offense is is brutal. Um, especially when if you're gonna start Damon Anthony, because they're just one of the two is just gonna stand around. That's just how the offense is gonna be. So I would have preferred to have seen Dame take those opportunities. And maybe he's waiting until the regular season. He wants to keep as much gas in that tank as possible. That's that's entire that 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 could that be could a happen, yeah. But that could. However, I, I'm tending to agree with you that he is going to play slower and preserve as much as he can. And if that's the case, I, I think Portland's in for a, a bit of a rough outing if they can't generate easy baskets. I mean, who's going to get to the free throw line outside of Damian Lillard and maybe Shaden Sharp? I mean, if they would give him the ball and actually you'd like Josh Hart's the only other one, but he's been invisible since he's been starting, which we knew would happen because you can't have Josh Hart be the fifth option. The usage rate dropped and now he's just kind of relegated to an invisible man, essentially. But yeah, you're right. Those there's only a handful of Blazers that can get to the line and it's not getting to the line it's not driving with, man no he's finishing with a floater he, he does not play through the contact and he likes to dance around in the perimeter yeah so the only two downhill players you know, i would i would throw josh hart in the the fast sprint dribble i don't know how to actually but you get like college you know college point guards that don't have dribble moves and just speed through that's josh hart's dribble style those are the three people that i can actually see going to the line unless we just dump it off to Yusuf and he gets to the free throw line that way. But I really didn't see him do that that much. He was in the perimeter, you know, picking his spots to be aggressive at, or pass the ball. So, you know, I, I don't see it via the free throw line. I don't see it through fast breaks. How do the, how do we generate good, easy baskets? Cause I really believe that Damian Lillard is our offense. And when he's off, it's just looks awful. So Damian lives in a generate damn near everything we do. How are we going to help him outside shooting? It's it, it's tough. Yeah, there's there's a couple of problems that that I can foresee, and I saw it early in the preseason where you have Damon Ant taking the lion's share of the shots and both shooting well sub five hundred from. Oh, Ant was awful in the the games that I've watched, and that's a carbon copy of what we had seen prior the past, what, eight years with, with, with Damon CJ. Like we, we saw that story time and time again. So you have a reliance on outside shooting, you have a reliance on isolation basketball, and then you can't fall back on your defense because I think that's the area that we need to discuss next, because that's the biggest problem area that, that, that I have, have witnessed Sage is, the defense, the, the the Blazers are just getting carved up. It's just like last year. More than one pass will beat that defense. And the pick and roll has to be uh, adjusted because I saw Dante DiVincenzo and James Wiseman beat up Yusuf Nurkic in that pick and roll. And if those two are going to beat you up in the pick and roll consistently, you know, what is Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic going to do? Like, so the, the Blazers have to adjust to their personnel. Like if Nurk's in the game, he can't be all the way out on the three-point line. It's just too much to ask for a man of his size and stature to do. He's not fast enough to get back. I, and I, I think that people have just 
hated on drop coverage because that was all we ran, but that's probably why Terry only ran it because that's what you have. I, I, I think that Terry defensively was just so risk averse that it got people just absolutely sick of a drop coverage big, but who on our team outside of Jeremy Grant, I think that he could stay with a guy on the perimeter, but he better he's, he's, he's athletically built for it. Like how, I don't, I don't see us. I don't want to see any of our bigs try and match up with a guard on the perimeter. Like De'Aaron Fox would carve up any of us, any jitterbug bug fast point guard is just going to body us. So what I hope is that we are able to adjust defensively. I think that this is a big year for Chauncey Billups and Roy Rogers. Like is Roy actually good enough to be a defensive head coach in this league? Like, because if if he's putting in use of in just such awful position, I mean, every time we played man, I think that we put him in an awful position. The only time that Roy Rogers got like put use of in a good decision is when we went zone last year for a few possessions to like confuse the opposing team. So it, I think that this is a big year for both of the men in charge of the uh, coaching staff. Like, can Chauncey? get the offense playing a little bit better and the defense. I honestly am more worried about the offense than defense because defense is easier to do defensive things to stop people. Offense is where the you have to be creative to to score. I don't see any creativity with Chauncey Billups right now. So it's like I get the the defense is bad, but I want I want to see something happen outside of Damian Lillard beats his one-on-one matchup and makes a play. So we all heard the news that Josh Hart was going to start at small forward. We discussed last episode how that was probably the worst possible option just because you're now relegating Josh Hart to the Nicholas Batum rookie year role where you're he's just standing around waiting for the basketball. Probably the fifth option with, I, I would say, two score first guards. Dame does have a ton of assists during his trailblazers tenure and is not a selfish player by any means. But he is a score first point guard. Anthony Simons is a score first point guard in that. I, let, let's, I don't think Anthony Simons is a point guard. I think okay. he's a combo. He's a score first guard. Then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to give that that precious title of playmaker to uh, Anthony Simons, who I don't think is. I think he's the fourth best playmaker on this team, maybe. So we've already talked about who we thought think should start at the three. My question for you, Sage, is. Does it even matter who starts at three when you're playing Dame and Amphrey in the backcourt? How long do you give that backcourt together before you switch it up? And do you also do you think they will ever switch it up? Like I know I'm throwing no, a lot I don't of think questions they switch it up. at you. Yeah, okay. So you don't think they're gonna switch it up? I think it can work in I think it can work offensively. If do you believe that Chauncey Billups is creative enough with his rotations so that Josh Hart starts, goes off the floor first so that he can have enough energy to play with the second unit do you think that that is at all a possibility with chauncey billups and his rotation schemes if you don't then it won't work but if you think that he has the creativity as a rotations guy to do it it can absolutely work it just has to take some acid you have to accomplish a few goals and making sure that you know everybody has rest i i think that people see that you know rotations as like a complete line change like in hockey no 
smart teams are going to move one player in, three players in, keep two in, keep one in. Like it, it, it can work. I don't think it will work with a a a, a guy like Chauncey who hasn't shown the creativity yet. And and I get it. Last year was a complete dumpster fire in terms of players that were healthy and able to play. And you know, were we tanking or not? So I get it. He doesn't have a long, you know, sample size of it, but it can work. Will it work with what I've seen in the last year? I don't think so. No, I, I, I'm really starting to wonder when that breaking point comes. Um, Portland has, and we'll talk about this later, but Portland has a very brutal early season schedule. Um it, it's frustrating because Golden, the blueprint's out there for Golden State on offense. You know, defensively, they're a whole other beast. But on offense, Clay Thompson is just a magician at being in, in the right spot. And I know Dame and Ant have not played together like Steph and Clay have played together. But it would be nice to see some looks where they're trying to get Anthony open off ball because he is such a good catch-and-shoot shooter from the perimeter. So Did you hear the 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 thing that they're trying to do is have Dame be alpha and then when Dame's in with Ant, Ant's going to be an off-ball guy? Have you? Because that's what I've been hearing. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen it yet. But if that's the case, I, I, I believe that that's better. And Ant with his pull-up and sh- his pull-up shooting would be awesome in that role. And I think that that takes away a lot of the things that I have, the issues I have with Anthony is I don't think he's a good playmaker, but if he in that role can just slide to the shooting guard, be be a guy that can hit the open three off of a Dame penetration kick, then that's great. But I I, I truly don't think that it, if we put those two guards and make them do what Dame and CJ did, that we would see any bit of success that we did with Dame and CJ because CJ is such a better playmaker. Like the passes, the leaps the, and bounds, but like. CJ McCollum does some magnificent drop passes, like drop off passes to bigs. You know, Ant's not doing that. If he decides to go downhill, it's for himself and not many other people. So I, I think that if we can have Ant just be like, yo, you're a combo guard, but really you're a shooting guard right now. Spot up, learn to run around the perimeter, watch some JJ Reddick tape. I think that that's a much more sustainable thing for this year and in the future. Cause I, tr- I don't think that he's a point guard. So, no, you know, we've, we've complained about this forever. Like he's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. But if Chauncey Billups can say, Hey, he's not a point guard. Let's have him learn how to run off ball a bit. That's, that's something very positive. It's just, will we see that happen? I mean, I know Chauncey Billups has a five-year contract, but if, Last year sucks. This year sucks, and then another year sucks. I mean, I don't think I, I think the seat's warmer than that. Really? Because I was just thinking about the five years. But if if the seat's warmer than that, that's. I mean, I I would have to think so, just because last season was such a dumpster fire, and then you supposedly get all of your guys in there, and you start off cold again. Because let's not forget the team was was terrible even when Dame was 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 playing last year that 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 team was awful and then then they had the excuse of okay the injuries and we're gonna you know call off the dogs and we're gonna really play for the lottery but don't don't get twisted that team was really bad uh playing lottery basketball uh through Christmas we were losing Uh, games by 30 with Damian Lillard on the floor and and I think if the coaching staff in front office 
want to show me anything. They, they need they need to tell Ant, you got paid. Look, Jordan Poole just got paid. He's going to be a six man too. Jordan Poole just got four years, hundred forty million. You just got what four years, hundred plus million. Money, money's safe. You don't got to worry about that. Take you need to take one for the team. We need you off of the bench because what Portland, I think Portland's downfall or what is maybe not downfall. Downfall is too strong of a word right now. The uphill climb that Portland is going to face on a nightly basis is their lack of size. By playing Dame and Ant together, we've already discussed kind of the offensive challenges that 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 it showcases. But there are so many defensive challenges that that presents as well because now you're small on defense in the backcourt. Like I do think this team could be good. I think they could be six seed good, but they, the rotations have to be nailed perfectly. And I think you need to start out with some size. Josh Hart at the two, go with someone like Nasir or Shaden at the three, and actually be big one through five. Let Ant come in for Dane. Play that six man. Take over. Be the be the alpha off of the bench. Be the microwave. Be managing Ginobili. Like it's happened before. Players and teams have had success with tremendously talented players coming in off of their bench. And if the coaching staff can't get Anthony to buy into that, then we need to get into coaching staff because that's the to me that's really where I'm what where I'm at when when I think of this roster working or working to its peak is not starting the same backcourt that has had uphill climbs for the past nine years. Like nobody else, who else Sage is really doing a small backcourt. Like, I feel like those are kind of a thing of the past. No people have moved on Hawks. At least DeJounte. Yes. Yeah. DeJounte can play defense. D- Damon and I, I think that we're just rocking with the 2005 playbook and it is what like, I mean, we're we're trying to do what Steph Curry and Monte Ellis did. Like that, that's all. But I don't. I don't. I don't think Anthony's as good as Monte Ellis. I think if he was running, I think he just needs to run the show. I don't want him to run the show. I think that's that's where we're opposed. Is I don't want him to run the show. Then if you don't want him to run the show. I don't think he should be playing alongside Dame. Then you you're saying they should move him for a wing, then, right? I, that's that to me is the only lot that what what you're saying because I I don't think he thrives as a starting shooting guard in this in this league. And I don't think he thrives as a playmaker in this league. No, I think he, if if I think if he is in the backcourt, it'd have to be with somebody who would maybe be a, more of a playmaker. Like if <laughs> so, Andre Miller and he would be perfect. Or or if Ben Simmons figures it out, like you could somebody who can handle the or ball. Or Ricky Ricky Rubio or something. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I I just don't think that he's good enough as a, I don't think his vision is there, bro. I think he I think that he is more he's closer to Colin Sexton than he is to I don't like a, a playmate like Andre Mill. I think he's closer to Colin. I just don't think he sees the pass. I, I I, I think Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkson just don't see the pass. And I think that Anthony Simons is on that trajectory instead of like, I don't even want to say Tyrese Halliburton because I just don't believe, but like a Tyrese Maxi playmaking. So honestly, oh, Hallibur- Halliburton's got vision. Halliburton's got the best vision on the Pacers ever. But like, I, like, I, I don't think that he's even close to that build of player. I think that he's on the, combo guard that if he sees it he sees it that's great but he doesn't see it yeah so a, a lot and I think of... that he'll put up good like 
if you look at the data, I think he'll be like, yeah, he can play point guard. But if you look at the reads that he da- does, then I, that's where it's like, nah, he, he doesn't make good reads. He has a high assist to turnover ratio because he doesn't pass the ball that much. So I, I think that you and I are just opposed because of what we think of Ant. And but the thing is, we're both opposed, and each of our views puts Portland in a in a rock and a hard place. Yeah. If Ant was two inches bigger, would we be having these issues? Can he still defend though? Like I don't he should be able to be a good defender. He should be. He is athletic as all hell. But I, I think that that's the mentality that he has is he's not going to lock up. Like yeah, defense. Defense is all about a will. It is about um, intelligence. Like you have to like what makes Draymond and the Shane Battiers so fantastic. Yeah, they have the will, but they, they know what you're running. That they, they know where to be. They they're communicative they're vocal they have it in their dna like to me ant still comes across as pretty quiet yeah um i you look at how gary payton has that desire you can never question that gary gary payton was built for this like make no mistakes about it and we're not saying that he can't do it i just don't know if he'll do it in february 10th against the jazz or you know, February 18th against the Bucks. Like, I'm sure that he'll come to play in the playoffs, but everybody's coming to play in the playoffs and they take it to a new level. So it's like, I know that he can do it, but I think there's a will and a desire that I I, I don't know if he'll lock up. And I, I think that he can. I think that if he said, screw it, this year I'm going to hound that ball handler, he could be awesome. He has the athletic tools that just absolutely could destroy. But I, I I, think that he's, I don't know if he knows himself yet. I don't think he knows his body yet. How, he, is he 22, 23? 23, I think. Did you know your body at 23? Like, there's a lot of a maturing that he has to do. And if he, if he matures right and something flips, he could be awesome. I just don't know if it's, that's going to happen like mentality and like how you think affects us all in our job performances it's the same thing as a project manager as a nba basketball player so if your mentality is being quiet well you're not going to look like a leader and i know you're getting he's getting paid like he's a leader but i don't think he's ever shown it i think that he's a quiet quiet dude and that's fine but you know, I think the defense will be a problem. But if he could turn it, it, if he could be Norman Powell good defensively, I think none of this is ever a question. Yep, that that you're absolutely right. Like, there's deficiencies in playmaking and deficiencies in defense and deficiencies in the types of shots we're getting. Can if we get two of those cleaned up, I think we're having a much different discussion. On if we could get peak. one thing, bro, <laughs> one thing. If let's just say. We don't foul defensively. I think we're a top 15 defense. It, take one statistic. I don't care what it is. Not fouling. We rebound well. We rebound excellently. Like top, If we're the best rebounding team in the league, it doesn't really matter how bad we are. We're going to be a top 15 defensive team. It's just 
what is the one thing that what is our defense? What do we as a a team? What is our calling defensively? What do we do that is really great? Nothing. Oh, that. I think that's a whole team thing. It's not Anthony and Dame. I think. Oh, that's you're right. Yeah, it's, this is this is not just on Ant. Like, let's we're we're just kind of dissecting this area because I think it's the most glaring at the moment. But there there are a lot of warts right now on on this team, and they they could be cleared up. Like, there are ways to figure that out, and not all of them are from the players. Not all of them are from the coaching. Some of it's from from the the upper management. Like. There are some good bigs on the market right now that we could just sign. Derek Favors was just waived by Houston. I was on what Derek side. Favors as a backup. Hassan or Derek would be great. Like I mean, this team needs some ounce of size. By God's sage, if Yusuf Nurkic goes down, it's a wrap. It's over. Even if even, he just gets COVID, like if he gets COVID and is out for 15 days, we're losing 15 games. Or however yeah, many games yeah. we play in that time. What if he's out for you know five games and that's a five-game road trip? All of a sudden, you're five games down in the standings. And we talked about this last episode, how deep the West is, one through 11. If you stub your toe, that could set you back, and now you're swimming upstream the entire rest of the season. So you know it's not all on the coaches or the players. Like Joe Cronin has to do his job, too. Jody Allen has to do her job as well. Like I don't give a fuck about the luxury tax. If you need somebody we just paid damian lillard so much money why does you just luxury gave, tax matter yeah you gave some ridiculous asinine contracts so maybe you should have pulled those back saved a couple of pennies there so you could sign Derek fucking favors like come on like we shouldn't be in in this position where we're wondering whether or not we're going to go into luxury tax because we can't get yusuf a a serviceable backup like the the size i think Portland is going to have to really do a good job of not fouling. Like you said, Sage, like even if Nurk gets into foul trouble. Did you see Nurk get into, get his sixth foul in that Utah game in like the mid third quarter? Yeah. He fouled out super quick. Yeah. Do you think that won't happen when games matter? That was Kelly Olenek too. Yeah. They have the monopoly on white boys, white boy centers, Kelly Olenek, uh, uh, Walker Kessler, Walker Kessler. And then who's the other one? Shoot. They have three white boys. Um, God, am I going to have to look this one up? They have no, a lot of white guys on, on that. Oh, uh, but I obviously there's issues, and but this might be one of the best f- five that Dame's played with in a very long time. It's just, do we have that Mo Williams off the bench to put up points? I don't think we do. It's it's because of what we did with Gary Payton and signing him to that contract, it kind of restricted what we could do with those big men. Like now we're hoping Derek Favors takes that minimum contract from us if we even feel the need to sign him. So we 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 took a a stance on what we we're going to do with perimeter defense hasn't really shown out yet, but it restricted what we can do for the use as backup. Like, I would feel a lot safer safer if Derek Favors was there behind Yusuf, who's had injury issues always, than Drew Eubanks. Drew Eubanks. And, man, 
Keon Johnson looks like he could be Gary Payton in a few years. I know. I was I was watching that and I was like, Keon had eleven assists in that in that also. Gary so she, would never do that. No, so Shane like overshadowed everyone with his twenty seven point performance. But I was like, Keon had six boards, eleven dimes, you know, a few sick lobs, like, and you know he's got defensive chops because that was his calling card coming out of Tennessee. And I don't be wrong, I love Gary Payton. I'm excited to watch him play. I was excited when we signed him, but it's also like. Damn, we, we may have had like a mini GP. Like, are we gonna have to move GP to get some size? Like, it just feels like there's an overabundance of guards. Like, we, we need something about not just like a also not just like a uh a, a warm body, so to speak. Like, I want somebody with with some talent, but it's we sucks. just have warm bodies at, at big after yeah, we do like and I love GP, but but the thing about GP though is I think you could play him at the power forward. Like he's just he figure he figures it out. He plays bigger than his his size. So that that is but a do you put there. so I have issues with it with uh Gary Payton and Anthony Simons in the playmaking. So does GP only play with Damian Lillard so Dame can uh so Gary's lack of ball handling isn't a big deal gary may be like six three or six four but i don't consider him a guard like to me he's a forward like okay I, 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 yeah i don't think that it would be a good i'm just talking offensively because that's kind of where my head's at i don't see a way that gary payton and anthony simons could win in, in any like offensive set together because Gary, I mean, Gary has made some tremendous strides in his playmaking and dribbling. Let's not be, y'all, you remember how bad he was at Oregon State at, at, at that dribbling thing. And he's made strides, but he's, you're not letting him run the offense. And then I have issues with, with Anthony. Like he can dribble the ball up, but what's he going to do other than that with, with the offense? So there's there's just so many questions that are unanswered because of, players lack of availability with injuries or you know the only being five games that you know when everybody's healthy it's going to be interesting to see what happens i don't think you're going to worry game one but what what is the milestone that you worry about this team or or are you already worried for real for real that's a really good question and something i was i was thinking about um this weekend leading up to this podcast like when when do you hit the panic button if you're Portland clearly if you listened to the episode last week I was I was optimistic and and I, I still am I still think it's going to be a, a fun season especially with with Shaden I'm really excited to watch him specifically but preseason did kind of you know open up some of those old wounds from the past half decade where you, even different coaching staffs different rosters it's it still feels like the same uh, pain points are are popping up. And as I mentioned, the first 13 games for Portland are just brutal. You have eight on the road, five on home, six game road trip. You play the Suns three times in the first nine matches, uh, two of those in Phoenix on back-to-back nights. Um, I say you probably, like I would... Portland traditionally under Damian Lillard, whether it's with Terry Stotts or probably just with Terry Stotts because last year was was, was the Billups' first year, they started off slow. Even in that 15-16 season when they were projected to win 23-26 games, they started off really slow, and they kicked it into high gear. The following year, 
they started off slow, traded for Yusuf Nurkic, Nurk Fever took them to the playoffs. Like the following year after that, they what did they do in the in the spring? They win 13 games in a row. They get the third the third seed. Like they're a team that traditionally under Dame likes to take their time getting together. And that's with a team that I would argue had a lot of chemistry and continuity. A lot of these people are brand new, which mm. that's worrisome because you can't just put a, a a bunch of players together and expect them to know how to play with one another for, from day one. Last week, I, I said, I don't know if there's a lot of pressure riding on the season because of Dame signing that extension. And I starting to think there might be a little bit more pressure on the season than maybe I was underestimating. Only because once Dame does pass Clyde, is he going to say, are we close? Um, there was a Ringer article where basically described how Jeremy Grant got to Portland. And he, Dame was talking to Jeremy. He's like, hey, if, if Detroit's not serious about winning, have them trade you to Portland. Okay, that indicates Portland's serious about winning. But if you can't win, then at what point does does this come to a head and Portland is faced with a really difficult decision. There's many difficult decisions that they could have. So with that said, I, I think earlier on, there's going to be some panic. Like I think after that, probably first 10 to 13 games, you want to know where you're at. Like if you're five and eight, you can be like, okay, like we, we can become a 500 team. Like we weathered the storms, the schedule is going to get, you know, a little bit lighter, but if you go like two and 11, like, I guess it depends on, like, the level of play we're seeing. Are you getting blown out? Um, then you can panic really early. But if if you're maybe losing close games, you're hovering around 500. I think you keep going 20, 25 games, maybe into the new year, especially once all of those signed players can now be dealt from all from your team, from other teams, that, that opens things up. But really up until that, I think it's December 15th date, that nothing's really going to happen. So I, I would say just in general, it's that December 15th date, Portland is going to be able, looking at basketball reference right now, they would have played 28 games. So almost pretty much a third of the way through. So I would say in a roundabout way, I give it till December 15th. They they may decide they have to make a move. Dame might be close to passing Clyde by that um, time of the year as well. And you'll just have a better understanding of, of, of where you are. And again, like it, it depends on how you're losing. It, it it just are you getting pressure from from Jody Allen? Is she just like whatever? I don't care. I mean, you just don't know with her right now. Um, it, it's tough that the Blazers are just in any really odd, awkward position where they should be better. And years prior, they would be better. But the West is just so good that you could just be bait for all these other you know sharks up top. I you know. We keep seeing Gary Payton's injury getting moved back. Of like, we'll be reevaluated till in two weeks. Reevaluated in two weeks. He's such a big part of what was planned. It's it's tough to even start the 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 shutdown clock if we're gonna use that phrase. Like, I can't even. I have no idea how we're gonna utilize Gary. Keon came off the bench first in a lot of games, but I don't imagine that Keon would start over Gary Payton the second. And the offense and defense is going to be a lot different with Gary instead of uh, uh, Keon. So I, I don't even think I I have the ability to 
start worrying until Gary Payton has played a, at least a few games where he can knock the rust off. Like game one of Gary Payton, the second is going to suck because he hasn't played anything. So he, we're going to need to see what he can do like eight games in the future before we can even be really worried about it. There's just so many, there's so much context that has to happen, like where we're fully healthy. And I think Gary Payton, the second is hugely important because we gave him the MLE. We, we, we paid a lot of money for this, this guy. And if he hasn't played yet, I think he's going to be the first guy off the bench in a lot of uh, ways. Like, I, I think that it might be Dame Ant and Josh Hart. And then Gary replaces Josh Hart in a, a lot of scenarios. So I, I guess I got to wait until Gary Payton actually is Gary Payton before I start ordering. So I love GP, but you think, GP is that big of a difference maker that if we're losing by double digits on a nightly basis that he's going to come. No, if we're lo- if we're getting our ass beat. Okay. Okay. No, I, but I, like it. Yeah. Like, but I think Gary Payton would matter in a four point loss. Yeah, I agree. Agree. But yeah, like if we're just getting dogged out there, Gary Payton ain't helping. But if we're losing to Memphis by by four, I think Gary Payton would have swayed it on John Morant yep. at least two possessions. So. But I, I guess like the the way we lose or the way we win is definitely added to it. Because yeah, if we're getting dogged, then it doesn't really matter if Gary Payton's there. But you know, close close tough losses, I would argue that yeah, if Gary was there, that wouldn't have been as easy. Like Jaw wouldn't have gotten to the hoop as easy if Gary Payton was on him instead of Anthony Simons. You know, how have you thought Jeremy Grant has been? So far, again, it's just preseason. Not he hasn't played in every game, um, but have you liked what you've seen? I think that he he's definitely still got it on the help side defense, and I feel all right about him if when he makes a play defensively to dribble it up and make a good decision. And honestly, we haven't had a power forward do that since Lamarcus Aldridge. Different players, obviously, but both of them can make a decision for themselves. So I think that right now he's played really well. Uh, If he can hit from three and when the games really matter, when closeouts really happen, then I'll feel really good about it. But, you know, in the limited time that I've watched, it's like, oh, yeah, he's making a lot of good plays, especially on help side. So, yeah. And. I'm I'm impressed with how it, his finishing craft because I didn't see nice the Euro step on him. Yeah, like he would do a Euro step and it's like, damn. I thought he was kind of like a straight line guy, but you know, admittedly, we don't watch Detroit basketball that much. So, you know, I, I think that it's a nice mix of what we'd wanted what we wanted from Jeremy in Oklahoma City and Denver and what he provided in, in Detroit. Because I think that there is going to be time for him to create and take shots and drive to the lane. So the fact that he's able to do that against NBA players is a good thing. So, I'm yeah, I'm fine with Jeremy Grant. I worry if he ever gets hurt, then we're really screwed. Because isn't Jeremy our second tallest player right now? It's, he's our backup. Well, I think Drew Eubanks is taller than Jeremy Grant. Ugh. Yeah, I know it's not. But wouldn't 
let's just think about the rotations. Let's say we're playing a team that isn't traditionally big. Wouldn't the rotation be Yusuf goes out, Jeremy Grant moves up, and then we get like Nasir in? Because I don't think that against like tradi- like non-traditional teams, like the teams that go small, I wouldn't put Drew Eubanks in and have Jeremy at the four. I think that he's our backup five, really. He's our starting four and backup five against non-traditional teams. Like, I wouldn't put... Jeremy Grant's not... Jeremy Grant's kind of our Draymond. He's going to play a lot of five this year. I would would be interested to see that the team use players like Justice and Gary and throw them out there to play defense, to pass the ball, to set it up. if if Portland is going to succeed, I think they might have to use their lack of size to their advantage and really play aggressively on the defensive end, getting getting out in the break. And that, that does require Dame to push it because that's how you're going to have to get your points um, off of the turnovers. And, and I think the defense really does lead to the offense. I think once if Portland is able to play middle of the pack defense, we'll see the offense drastically improve. But if you're having to take the ball out of the net under the mm-hmm. opponent's basket every single time, it, you're going to have a long night. I mean, that, that's, just, that's just the bottom line. So do you think that – what do you think the split is with Jeremy Grant? Does he play like 70% of his time at power and then 30 at, at center? Or do you think it's more in the center? Because I'm starting to think that he's our backup five. I don't know how much confidence I have in the coaching staff to be creative like that, if I'm being real. If, dog, if I'm – it's 10 p.m. on a – Sunday, and I, <laughs> I have to sort of right like what, what? And I just thought of this. I hope that Chauncey Phillips thinks of this. But do you think he will? I think he'll think of it. I don't know if he'll utilize it. I mean, they're going to have to get crafty. I mean, this is the team that 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 he and Joe Cronin wanted. Like they wanted Jeremy Grant. They wanted Gary Payton. They retained Justice Winslow. You have Nasir Little. You drafted a big wing and Shaden Sharp. Like throw them out like you know your backup centers aren't good so if they're not good they shouldn't play like figure it out like you got you have to get creative like this is cream of the crop like you're playing in the national basketball association you're you have one of 30 jobs in in the world so yeah i know you got a five-year contract but let's see some creativity because we're we're probably gonna have to get creative in portland i mean we're gonna like jeremy at the five weird Jeremy at the five, Shaden at the four, Gary at the three or something. You could go any any combination, five, five players on, on the court. I don't care where they play, but you could have Jeremy, Shaden, Gary, Dame, and Josh Hart. Well, isn't Jay, Crow- Jay Crowder is a, considered a power forward, right? He's not 6'7". He's probably 6'6". Six, six, he's, six, six. he's just strong. Yep. He's just yep. super strong. He's basically like a tall – He's a he plays like Gary Payton. He's a tall – he plays taller than he is. He's, he's a dog. He's going to go in there. So we can get away with a 6-7 power forward for stretches. It's going like, to have that mentality, though. You well, know? I, I, yeah, I know. But, like, I know that I don't like Justice, but I think that he could play four in spurts. I, he's going to, I think, so I know you don't like Justice, but I would rather see Justice play than, like, Greg Brown or Drew Eubanks. Oh, I'm, I'm fine. I don't care about that at all. I don't care about that at all. <laughs> But if you said Shade and Sharp, then we got to do Oh, no. Yeah. Like, if, if I'm real, say Shade and Sharp's the reason for my optimism. This, like, I want to just, I was, I was lucky enough 
to like to be aware like I, I grew up with the the Clyde Blazers that got me into it, but I didn't really get to understand it so young. But I we drafted Brandon and he was it. Like you knew it. And it was so fun watching him rise. And unfortunately, the injuries took his game away. Then you saw it with Damian Lillard, and we've watched it for a decade here in Portland. Like I'm getting that that same type of vibe from from Shaden. He's younger, he's not as polished, but I think that he's a much better athlete and shows higher defensive potential than either Brandon oh, easily, or Damian. It's, it's just going to come down to, does he have that clutch gene and does he love basketball? Like, and I'm not saying he doesn't, I'm just saying the reason that Dame and Brandon were so good is they, 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 they lived it. They breathed it. They slept it. Like every time you, you Dame's in a, in a, a podcast or an interview he's like yeah I, mean, I just go i watch league pass i watch boxing like he's he's always thinking of his craft like dame is obsessed with becoming better and that's what the, the greats have in them so if shaden has that i mean it, it's just going to be just a joy to, to watch you know a six six wing two-way uh basically have no obstacles on that that hardwood uh- I see a lot of similarities between sorry, I just got an email. I see a lot of similarities between him and Paul George. Because if you remember Fresno State, Paul George, he wasn't as polished as he is now. He, that that dribbling craft took forever for him to get. So if 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 Shaden can go from Clay Thompson dribbling like Paul George did when he first entered the league to Paul George dribbling now, the world is his, like for, for real. Like PDX is is his jewel if he can just develop that craft because I, I I think that obviously health matters and no injuries but like I think the playmaking and dribbling in itself is going to be the biggest issues for Shaden Sharp I believe in everything else outside of like legitimately breaking down his guy and making making a play so if he can develop that that's just going to be humongous but I I see I I know people say like you know they see Ant Edwards and I absolutely do, but I think Paul George is the best with what he is right now in terms of the rawness, and if he can just buff out, buff out all that rawness and turn into the gem he is. I I, I see Jalen Green, I see Ant Edwards, but if he can get the dribbling right, I can see Paul George too. So I've well, this will lead up to to our question um, from. Uh, paint and PDX. My, I replied to it, so I, I my, don't remember. No, all good. My my comparison. I, I don't think there's one player. But what I've seen, I've seen glimpses of of three that have stood out to me. I have seen Paul George. Um, I've also seen Brandon Roy, especially when he had the ball in the open court and he just had that presence around him. He's playing with that, just his own tempo, head up, like just it almost looked like he was in slow motion and everything else didn't matter. Like he, he just B Roy knew exactly where he wanted to go when he got there. Then there's the athleticism and the, the fadeaways from the top of the key, like using, you know, the pivot and the, 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 the footwork and hitting the tough jumpers, even go back to his only summer league make where he did that shoulder shake and the fadeaway. I see a little young Tracy McGrady in, in his game as well. Um, and so I guess hopefully that his feet are the same size, not like Trey T Max. 
So hopefully, you know, that you could also roll, you know, Jalen Green as, as a as a young Tracy. Yeah, I, type I see Jalen. I see Ant. I did obviously I didn't watch Brandon Roy like you watch Brandon. So I I I can't comment on that. There's one. just parts of Brandon. Like he is much more explosive than Brandon. Mm. Um, and I think he has um just a little bit. I mean, he's gonna be a better defender. Like Brandon, Brandon was an offensive guy he wasn't a sieve on the defensive end but like he just didn't push the tempo but he just got to his spots and he just did it meticulously like it didn't look like it took him a lot of effort like he was he was a smooth operator um it's why uh, brian wheeler uh dubbed him the natural i mean it just looked so easy for him but we got a comparison that i hadn't thought of um Peyton pdx said i came up with ray allen uh, on the Bucks, who was really athletic, slashing and scoring before he developed his shot later on. So I immediately went to YouTube. I remember Ray on the Bucks. I really loved Ray on the Bucks, especially that 0-1 team with Cassell and Big Dog Robinson. You know, Ray took part in the dunk contest. Uh, they each actually were about six five and a half, one ninety eight at their draft measurable. So the measurables are spot on. To me, I think there's a difference in the personality. Ray yeah. Allen was brash. He was cocky, maybe a little arrogant. Like he was in He Got Game. He was Jesus friggin' Shuttlesworth. Like he just oozed charisma and swagger. Shaden has, I think, that more Dame, Brandon, even McGrady, like just that quiet persona, like just gonna just gonna defeat you without even you knowing it. So like I think that's where I'm not getting the Ray comparison just because I'm thinking more of personality. But do you know Shane's personality? Like, I'm just saying on court personality from what I've seen. Like, Ray Allen was very brash on court, especially as as a young pup. Like, just on court. I'm not talking about off court because you can be Jekyll and Hyde. Like, you can be two different players. Like, because because I'm thinking about. I feel like oh shit! I feel like Shaden. If everything breaks down, he's going to the rim and he's finishing. I think Ray. He still could shoot. I think that I, I just I don't think Shaden Sharp. It's a different. It's a different NBA that we're talking about too. I'm just I I, I see the Aunt Edwards Jalen Green comp. It, it, it's just a different. It's twenty years, twenty plus years in the past that we're looking at. I'm sure Shaden could do it, but I I, I just see. The the skill, the athleticism, the versatility that he shows, and it I just maybe it's because of its recency bias, and I'm looking at Aunt Edwards dominate. That's kind of where I'm am with the comps, but I think that if he could turn into a shooter like Ray Allen, I'm not I'm not blaming. Well, he's saying I'm... pre pre shot Ray. Did he just absolutely not shoot in 90? I mean, he, no, he was, he had a pretty sh- yeah. jumper. But he was a slasher first and foremost. Like he, so I was watching the highlights and the, the difference is I think Ray Allen was more quick twitch. Like he made one move and he was at the basket. He's a very, very late jumper. Like he would dunk on your head before, and then you're like, I just, you know, you got, got yammed on. Like he just, he mm-hmm. did it so suddenly. 
I think Shaden, you know, it's coming. Like he is, he is a a high flyer. Whereas Ray Allen, I think, is going to quick burst to get to. Yeah, I think uh, that that is the. I think they're both different type of athletes. They're different athletic builds. So that's that's where I would go. But I mean, either way, if we're throwing out some lofty names, if you know, if Shaden hits, I, I think this is where Portland kind of plants their flag and builds home base around like Shaden becomes foundation for what Portland wants, wants to do. Um, I'm just, I'm so excited. I really hope he gets at least like 15 minutes a night Sage. I was texting you this, like if the difference in like five or 10 games victory is Shaden not playing. I I don't want that. I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the L. I want to see our guy. I, I think like we said this last week, Blazers, they're not winning the title this year. I think we're all comfortable saying that. And that's, that's fine. We have other reasons to watch. I'm cool with maybe having a little bit less dubs, but Shaden advancing and progressing into what we all hope he can become Absolutely. much faster. But I just looked at Ray Allen. He was shooting five threes a game when he was a young pup. He, he trusted that three point ball. <laughs> he, was, sure? he was shooting in 96 bro that three points weren't that big of a deal back then so. that year though they did move the line in they they put it pushed it back out but there was one year where they moved it in and it was a free-for-all and they was like no we don't want that so they moved it back i mean y'all i'm just giving you some context I, i'm fine with that he was shooting a lot of threes his rookie year in comparison to everybody else. So he trusted that shot. I don't think Shaden's there with a shot. I think that they're built athletically different. And I that oh shit. We're using some pretty lofty guys to compare them to. I, I don't think there is a Shaden. I think Shaden Sharp's on the uh, Ant Edwards archetype, but obviously they're different players. That I think we're just talking about like their athletic markers that those those guys share. Well, uh, Jalen and uh, Ant and Shaden all share that those markers, but obviously they're different players and do different things. Like Jalen Green is an amazing cutter off ball. I don't know if Shaden Sharp's gonna is gonna be there yet. So they they all have different skill sets, but athletic markers. I w- I mean Ant Edwards. I mean shit. If Ant Edwards was there in '96, they would think he's an absolute witch with how athletic he is. Uh, I have a couple of dribble pass shoots for you before we get into the regular season. Sure. Dribble pass shoot. What you saw from Victor Wimanyama makes you want to tank again. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about something from not of this universe. Seven, four Kevin Durant, just splashing in threes with ease. Like, we thought we saw something with Chet. This dude is, I think, on a from what whole I've different. seen, whole other galaxy. I would love to tank for Scoot or Chet, or Scoot or uh, Wimby. So I'm, I'm. If things go bad, I, we have. I, I'm, I'm quick to pull that plug. See, I'm right with you. I'm quick to. That's what my. I don't know if I'm as quick as you, but like, it does. It, it don't. It won't hurt my feelings if in in February I'm talking about college basketball more than I am. NBA basketball won't be college basketball. It'll be the Metropolitan oh, 92s and France and the G League Ignite. I'm actually looking forward to watching the G League Ignite. They're uh, like Leonard. Uh, I think Leonard Miller is his name. 
and Scoot. That's a that's a fun playmaking core. And then just put up as many catch and shoot guys around them. That could be a fun team. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited about gonna, Arkansas basketball, but uh, this podcast is going to be absolutely chaotic this year. We went from being like super optimistic last last week, and now it's like, oh shit, was Victor good enough just to just throw it all away and just? Well, just, I mean, look look who we hired. And he said, Victor's the best player ever. Mike Schmitz is saying he's the greatest prospect he's ever seen. Do you really bring in Mike? I'm not saying Mike Schmitz has that pull, but it's got to be hard for him to be in there and be like, yeah, let's, let's go out and get win number 40 and uh, wrap up that, (laughs) that eighth play in seed when you know, there's other teams going for Victor Wimbanyama. And and Scoot is not a bad second option, man. No, I'm not saying he's not, but like, I'm just, you know, that's, it's 17 it's year old bullying, bullying NBA, bullying men that are trying to get NBA jobs. It's like, damn, that's pretty nasty, too. I guess college basketball isn't as sexy. I guess we will be talking about Euro and uh, G League Ignite if things go bad, which I'm not mad about, really. Um, but I'm I'm not ready to pull the plug with before the season starts. But no. if things go bad, I would be. If things go bad, we're going to be having daydreams about, you know, a Shaden Wemby, you know, <laughs> Shaq and Kobe 2.0. I mean, we're we're going to if if Portland would have somehow luck into winning that draft lottery, it would be the mayhem we saw in 07 times 10. So, do you think Wemby's a better prospect than Zion? Yes, easily. Do you think Wemby is a prospect the best- than 80? Easily. Luca? Yeah, Luca only went third. You got to remember, Luca only went third. Now, if Luca, so I read this online, uh, it was on a forum. Somebody said if Luca had played some games in America, he would have went number one. And I agree with that. Yeah. You there is a stigma against just European basketball, maybe a little bit of a uncertainty. Uh clearly Luca is a that good of a prospect, but at the time, no, went from the hype we're getting from Wemby. I've only seen rivaled by Greg Oden and LeBron James. So the would obviously Braun, but like damn. That he is this is why I think the media can ruin players. Like who was on Mem- who was the Memphis guy that transferred to Eastern Michigan? Imani Bates. Imani Bates like that they can they can raise Wemby to the highest of heights and then they can put those expectations on Imani and then he's not as good as people think. And then they trash him. The me- like that media and especially basketball media can be so toxic for NBA players or, or, or players that are trying to make it to the NBA where, yeah, we can hype up Imani Bates, but then we realize he's just a tough shot maker. <laughs> and then we just shit on him. Like, the media that's why it's so impressive what lebron james accomplished you can Mm -hmm. talk about the finals losses all you want there was the weight of the world the and i think an ever more covering world where what right media coverage every year that bronze state league grew larger and larger and more Mm. nonstop and constant and immediate for 20 years he's still arguably a top 10 player yeah mvp candidate every year mvp like so in a sense, that's much more impressive than anything that Jordan did because there Jordan was no Twitter, there was no media. internet for a lot of no, yeah. So like, I'm not, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just saying that LeBron played in a much 
much more difficult media circus mm-hmm. than um, MJ did. So that that's really impressive what what LeBron was able to do. Um, okay, dribble pass shoot. The Blazers will trade Josh Hart before the deadline. Because he does have that interesting contract where I think it's a team option, but there's still another year left. I shoot it, and I shoot it pretty confidently. I think the only way we keep him is if we do, like, ceiling out. If, if, we're, if we're cooking, you keep it going. Yeah, but if if the, if the it were middling or, or bad, I think you trade him and get a first-round pick and re- get some more assets. But if we're absolutely scorching earth good, then then we keep him. So I would say like a 66% chance that we trade them. So I guess I guess that has to be a shoot, right? Yeah, that's a shoot. Because you want that, you take that shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't uh, NBA 2K is so harsh shooting, bro. <laughs> so I I take 33% shooting right now with some of these uh th- these 2K players. 33 is a good number to aim for. <laughs> And it, it's a bit of a bummer because I think Josh Hart would thrive starting alongside Dame, but hopefully, hopefully we find out. But um, so, do, so do you agree with the analysis, or do you think it? it no, I agree. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's an odd man out, and unfortunately, I think it's going to be Hart. I think he's going to start. I think he's going to struggle. I do think he's going to become frustrated. Uh, he's not getting the looks, at least in preseason. So again, it is preseason, but. Let's be real. When the four other players on the court are Dame, Ant, Jeremy, and Yusuf, you're going to be the fifth option on offense best with, fourth. with the ball best. in your hands. And that's where he took his game to the next level last season when he was able to have a high usage. He was able to be the first or second option, even maybe the third, I would say. And he was so, still able to go out there and produce, but he's just you don't want a player of his caliber as, as the fifth starter. That's just not his role. That's not how he's going to succeed. So it'd be a bummer to move a potential really nice pairing mate with Dame in the backcourt, just because you're married to this other option uh, in, in the, in the backcourt. So um, I, I totally understand your logic um, and, and can see it happening, but I, I want to watch it work with Josh because I really like Josh and I do think he's starting to caliber and league. And I, like I said, I, if I was, if I was coach, it would be Dame, Josh, Shaden, Jeremy, and Yusuf. That's my five. I just don't see that happening at all. Um, and that's, that, that sucks. So would you trade him to like the, uh, a playoff team looking for that, that extra punch for the playoffs or for getting a position? You wouldn't trade him to a you would trade him to a playoff team, right? I mean, I highest bidder. Oh, really? Okay. Because I feel I feel like at the deadline, bad teams are not trying to get Josh Hart to win games. So like it'd be like the Bucks saying this isn't working. Let's get another wing player. Well, the Bucks don't got no picks. Wow. True. True that. But I'm that type of team, like. I don't know, like the, the Heat could use them or so, some good team is going to be able to use them and, and use them to win games when things really matter if if we're sucking. Yeah, so... I, I think we get positive trade value from Josh. Yeah, he is a, he's a fantastic player. Like I said, I want to see it work in Portland. And if it doesn't work in Portland, I won't blame him because I think the situation that he's currently being asked to uh, participate in is, is, is a lose-lose situation. Yeah. 
All right. Do you have another? I love that we were going to make dribble pass shoot quick hitters, and I'm sure these are 10 minute long thought experiments. It's what we do. Yeah. Um, let's get into this regular season. I'm going to keep track once again of the wins and losses. Last year just got to be so. Uh, I think it's trackable this year. Yeah, I I, I hope so. Um, it is already tough out the gate. Portland starts the the regular season in Sacramento uh, this Wednesday. They come home to play the Phoenix Suns on Friday for their home opener, and then they play a uh, a matinee uh, Sunday against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, we will just talk about these three games. Sage, uh, what are you looking for in, in that first matchup against the Kings? This is a team that beat Portland uh, on the first game of the season last year. Harrison Barnes went nuclear, and it really, I thought, set the tone for the entire season. Portland never recovered from this loss against the Kings. Um, they've kind of started out of the blocks the past two, two three seasons really slow. Yeah, they stumbled. Uh, this would be, I think, a just a little bit of the weight off of the back if if they could get it done. But you've also got a Sacramento team who saw, yes, it's another sport, but they saw the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs. So now the Kings of the four <laughs> major sports hold the longest active playoff drought, which is 16 years. Um, they haven't made it since 2006. So they are hungry. They've got a ready-made rookie. They've got, they've got, they traded for Sabonis. Fox is ready to go. Um, they have Mike Brown, who they brought in, who just won a title with uh, the, the Golden State Warriors as an assistant coach. Like they, they want to win. Like these, these Kings, they're not trying to lose at least right now. And you're playing them on their opening night. I think this is going to be a very difficult challenge. I think it's going to be much closer, clearly, than the preseason contest was. But Portland and Sacramento have always played tough games, especially down in uh, Northern California. I think that the number one thing is how do we play defense on De'Aaron Fox? Like, like how are you defending that one five pick and roll with Fox and Sabonis? Putting Yusuf in a posi- bad positions in that pick and roll, like Sabonis, it could it could be anybody. But if we're playing defense like we did last year, De'Aaron Fox is turning the quarter on Yusuf and getting fifty pretty easily. So th- I get I guess it's the pick and roll, but I, I I'm really curious of how we handle De'Aaron Fox, like. Who do we put on him? Is it going to be Josh Hart? Are we going to put Dame on Harrison Barnes? Or uh, I think you have to turn De'Aaron Fox into a jump shooter. Who's there? Who's the two and the three? Kevin Herter. I mean, and they're starting. They have been starting Casey Akpala um, at the four, Barnes at the three. Um, I think and is Keegan, Keegan playing? I, I saw think something. Keegan has COVID, so I don't know if he'll be back or not. Well, that's that's kind of a big deal because of Keegan Murray's ability to shoot and spread the floor. the floor. Yep. Because yep. I don't think KZ Apala is a very good shooter, so we could hide one of our bad defenders on KZ, and then honestly, I don't care if Kevin Herter goes off against Dame or Anthony. Like it, it's you have to stay home though. You can't just let him get open looks. Like he's totally, not. Totally. But I, I think that De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis are the the two main guys that we have to really worry about. Like, obviously, Harrison Barnes could go off because he's done it before against us. But really, if we're playing, if it, if this game happens 100 times, De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis are the two guys that we're the most worried about. And then we got to attack Sabonis when he's defending him. Like, we're putting him in pick and rolls, making him work. Because we could I do mean, the exact same thing with Damon Yusuf that they're doing against us. Like, Sabonis is a much worse defender than, than Yusuf. 
So I could I could see us just pick and rolling them to death and making Sabonis be like a just the the liability defensively that he is. So I guess the the main thing in this game is the pick and roll. Who defends first? Yeah, I think who blinks first exactly. This feels like Pac-12 after dark, where the final score is gonna be like in football terms, fifty-six to fifty-five. Like who who is going to make the stop? Who's going to want to play defense? Who can get the stops? Uh, because I think both teams are going to get whatever look they want. Um, if I'm looking for for somebody to kind of have an impact, I think it might be, I think it almost has to be Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, like it has. This, that, yeah. He's had so many big games against the Kings in, in his past. He had the five by five game. Um, uh, in Sacramento, or it was the 20 rebound game. He had one statistical. Yeah, was, I think it was a five by five. Yeah. I think the offense needs to go through him, him and Dame. Like Dame and Yusuf need to really work and not just pick and roll, like dump it into Yusuf. Let, let them in foul down. trouble, bro. Yeah. Let them double down and, you know, put some shooters out there. You know, Dame Dame's going to be able to get to the rim. Like, like we, we, we know that, but I, I, I really want to see them make a, conscious effort like you gave this man an extra four years on his contract fucking use him like make slow the game down a bit because you know sacramento is going to want to push the pace dump it in him and make domus sabonis defend so who's the who's the rando that could go off in this game for portland or sacramento both I mean, if I'm if I'm Portland, I'm, I'm deathly afraid of Kevin Herter. Like, I just feel like he's gonna go. I think he could have a Harrison Barnes type of night that Barnes had uh, in Portland on opening night last year. Um, just because one one pass and the defense breaks down. So if, if Fox gets there, they kick it out to Barnes, swing, swing. I mean, easy, easy look right there for Portland. I mean, the bench is light without without GP two. Nasir Little hasn't looked great in the preseason. Oh, can we talk? We did not talk about Nasir Little. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, you didn't see any. His, his help side defense was so bad. So, 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 so bad. Like, he was defending a shooter, and he would be right next to the damn basketball basket. There's no way he's going to be able to close out from literally under the basket. His rotations... We're gonna be in so much trouble if the the team was smart enough and saw the open shooter. Those, what he did off ball defensively, supremely irritating for me to look at that and be like, that's an that's an instant three every single time. So he I did think, not have a good off season, uh, preseason for me. I think if Portland wins, my 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 heart says Shaden's gonna have a good game because it's always gonna say Shaden, but I think my head says uh Justice Winslow make make some big plays. I think um, Josh Hart gets five threes. I would I would love if Josh Hart just took five shots. I mean that's I, I think that what they're gonna do is Damon Yusuf are gonna pick and roll him to death. Event I I imagine that Harrison Barnes is gonna be on on Josh, so he's gonna dig down and Dame is gonna find him for some open shots. So I'm saying the random or the the guy that's not a core member of the team is Josh Hart. He's going to go off. And if Yusuf does get in foul trouble, this is the team you can play small on. You could go Jeremy Grant on Sabonis and then go go small. And, and I think Jeremy him. Grant's kind of built to irritate Sabonis with how athletic he is. Like just like use that athleticism, use those long arms to make sure he's uncomfortable at all when he's holding the ball. Who do you have winning this one? I think I have I have us winning this game. 
yeah, I'll pick Portland as well. You know, I felt like I've been a little negative this episode, so let's let's swing it back in the other direction. I mean, truth matter, I think this is a coin flip. I think it's a 50-50 game. Um, but if Portland wants to get off to a good start, they 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 have to. I think, think with Keegan Murray one. out, we have less flaws than they do. Yeah. Which great to say, because I don't think we will be able to say that in the next game that we talk about. Portland and Phoenix on the home opener. We will be there. Sage, I'm taking my parents as well. Um, home openers in Portland used to go together like peanut butter and jelly. They had won 17 or 18 straight, and then they have lost the last three uh, in 2019 to Denver, in 2020 to Utah, and in, in the aforementioned 2021 game to the Sacramento Kings. So they have not been so kind to Portland as of late. Portland did wipe up the floor with the Phoenix Suns early last season. Um, and this is a Suns team that they're not going to have Jay Crowder. The How vibes are they, bad. The vibes are are, are bad. Um, and you don't know what Phoenix is going to are, are they are they going to attack this season with vigor? Like, are they going to be motivated at how they performed in that conference semifinals against uh, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, especially that game seven, just destruction of, they of, their, the bucket. of their franchise. Yeah, they wet the bed in a, a big way. So it's interesting that Portland sees this team three times in the mm-hmm. first nine matchups, because I think, Traditionally, you this is when you want to see the Suns because they haven't really kind of okay. Let's let's now let's let's kick. Like I think Phoenix treats the regular season like a marathon. They know how to pace themselves. But on the other hand, it's it's still a sixty plus win team from last year that has the the guards probably the best maybe the best backcourt in basketball. They've one of the best wing defenders in Mikhail Bridges. Cam Johnson is going to be a problem at, at the four. And then there's DeAndre Ayton, who just got that big contract. But they are as deep, deep excuse me, as they have been in previous years. Uh, th- this could be a tight one. Th- this could be a game where Portland beats the Kings and they're feel, feeling really good or they're losing to the Kings. And it's here we go again. And you kind of let that game kind of trip you up. So, um, Obviously, Dame and CP. Dame hasn't had his best games against uh, Chris Paul. It, it's it's going to be interesting because then you're also looking at is Devin Booker really going to be going against Anthony Simons? Like, what does Portland? Do? I mean, that that just doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I mean, can't you hide Dame on Cam Johnson? Do you, th- I mean, yes, if Cam Johnson but- iso's Dame for all of the points, isn't that a win for us? I'm trying to think. I'm like, yes, you can, but then that just leaves. Okay, so then who's Jeremy Grant guarding? And I'd... I, Josh I, Hart I, has to guard Devin Booker. I think we're in agreement there. Booker's yeah. Booker would go right by by Jeremy Grant. Well, Booker. I mean, I see. He would get him into foul trouble too fast, too. I'm just trying to think of like the best, the best utilization of our small guards would be Cam and then Bridges cutting. Cause I trust Josh Hart. I trust Jeremy Grant. I trust Yusuf, but then it's just too bad defenders. So I'm trying to hide them. And I, I would imagine Dame could cover either one of them and Ant will do his thing on either one of them. So I, I guess it's 
Chris Paul versus Josh and then Jeremy on Booker. This is, it doesn't really work well in this thought exercise, but I mean, what worries me is the pick and roll with 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 CP and and, and Aiton. I mean, Chris Paul is one of those guys that just anticipates things before they actually happen. So I, we can't just drop coverage them, or we can't just do one thing every time on that pick and roll because that's just going to be child's play for Chris Paul. So we have to actually bring pressure. We have to do certain things so it, does Roy Rogers have the ability to switch things up especially in the pick and roll defense I don't know so this will be a good example but I think that the the pick and roll defense for us is going to be huge Booker can go off on anybody he's probably the most complete shooting guard in the league in, on the offensive side so that's tough I think that we got to make sure that those ancillary players or those tertiary players don't go off on us too because Booker and CP and Aiton can whatever. But if Cam has 15, if if uh Mikel has 12, that's where it gets really difficult for us to win. So we can't go I didn't realize stopping the pick and roll. I didn't realize how bad this bench was in Phoenix. Yeah, it's bad. It's really rough when you uh all of a sudden don't have Cam Johnson manning that that bench. Um Ooh, did they? Right. Okay, so they still have they still have campaign. Campaign it worries me off the bench because I don't think Portland without Gary Payton has has anybody that could Keon's, slow. Him. That's Keon's guy right there. Keon's gonna have to slow him down because campaign can get buckets. Uh, I'm not worried about Landry Shamit. Uh, I'm not really worried about Tory Craig. Uh, yeah, that Josh Okogie, Damian Lee, like they've got okay. It's just they it's not shoot, they, they they're NBA quality players. Yeah, I I think Portland gets in trouble if Aiton and Biombo just dominate the glass. Biombo would dominate whoever our backup five is. Yeah, the, I I'm I'm concerned about the the rebounding in this game. I think Portland is going to have to control the boards. They're going to have to. Control so it's going to be gang rebounding, right? Yeah, I think if Portland wins this game, Jeremy Grant is going to have to make his impression felt. Like, he's going to have to take advantage of of Cam Johnson. I think they're going to have to move him around, let Yusuf initiate some of it. Um, maybe you catch Phoenix slipping. It may be, maybe they didn't want to be there. Like, that that's, I think, Portland's... Has um, Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton talked yet? Like, they have there's talked. so many issues with this team. But they, they waited a whole offseason to do it. It's weird. No, actually, it isn't weird. I kind of Monty. I kind of get why Monty would hold the grudge for that long. I, I, I would say it's uncharacteristic, but then it, it absolutely is characteristic of Monty Williams. So I shouldn't be that surprised. So this is Phoenix's first five games. You have Dallas. You go on the road to Portland. Then you play the Clippers. Come home for Golden State. Then you play the Pelicans. What? Which one of those four five teams stands out? Us being bad. It's Portland. <laughs> Portland is not going to get their attention. I, I, I think they overlook Portland. I think Portland is going to want this game more. I think Portland finally wins their home opener again. Um, that's why they play 82 games. Like this isn't game seven where everyone's at their at their peak. This is the Phoenix Suns overlooking the Blazers, Portland being very excited and and wanting to get the season get that bad taste of last season out of their mouths so do we and dub I, it here i think they win i think they play above their heads i think they get some good performances 
uh, from Jeremy. And, you know, sooner or later, like we're, we're going to have to see that backcourt cook, but, but I really think Jeremy's going to have, have a good night against Phoenix. And I think they're just going to, I think they're just going to scrap. And I think it might be Keon and Shaden coming off the bench. Maybe it's, you know, Nasir getting some energy plays, but I think it's opening night role players play better at home. That's my that's my justification. I've got Portland winning this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Suns winning because they they are more a, a more talented team and I trust them more and and I think the coaching sways over to the Phoenix's side. So I I think that we will be going home sad going against the uh, the Suns opening night. And then now the matinee game against. The Los Angeles Lakers, who are apparently going to try out Russell Westbrook on the bench, leading that second unit. Um, obviously, they added in Pat Beverly. Um, they Schroeder. traded who was that? They got Dennis Schroeder as well. They got Dennis Schroeder traded away, uh, Tail and Horton Tucker. Um, they're going with LeBron AD, LeBron year 20. This is not the time you want to play the Lakers. Um, because <laughs> The Lakers, unlike most years, they are motivated to put some respect on their names. They see people putting them 8, 9, 10 in the West, and LeBron's never felt that before. He's always been top dog. So I think you're going to see the Lakers come out and really put their foot down and not let up. Like this will be an opposite situation of a Friday night where I think the Lakers definitely are going to want to be there. It's their first Sunday matinee Sunday matinee game in those, you know, those white Laker uniforms they only wear on Sundays um at Staples Center. So I is this I a don't national, Is this a national TV game? Is this a national TV game? Might be NBA TV. Ugh. But no, it's not Portland's uh Portland only has three national TV games this year, and uh, this is not one of them. Tight. <laughs> All right. But uh, I mean, what do you think? I don't think they're, if, if the Lakers are motivated, I don't see any world in which Portland can go down to Los Angeles. Um, and how get bad it. do you think Pat Beverly affects Damian Miller? Or how much? None. He never has. I don't think he ever will. I, I'm more worried about Anthony Davis, Davis. and LeBron James. So how the hell do we stop AD and LeBron? Do we put Jeremy Grant on AD? Yeah. And then... Because the Lakers, thankfully, will play big. They'll put some... Thomas Bryant or something? Yeah, slow-prodding center to match up with Yusuf. And I think that helps. I also do think it helps that the Lakers don't have a dynamic backcourt that can expose Portland's size. It's it's LeBron James going against Josh Hart, which sucks. LeBron James, LeBron James is is the nightmare. So if I'm Portland, I let Anthony Davis, if they want to post him up, I say, Jeremy Grant, just do your best. If he's going to hit fadeaways over you, fine. What can't happen is the doubles and the kick-kick swings and then LeBron's cutting to the basket and you know showtime ensues mm-hmm. um, at, at Staples. Portland can win this game if they keep the Lakers out of transition. LeBron loves to get the ball, get his head downhill, and get to the line. So Portland can limit their fouling, keep the free throw line close. That's where the game will be won or lost because Damian Lillard plays big in Los Angeles. Always has, always will. So I think you're going to see a matchup of the stars. I think it will be a close game, but I'm going to give the edge to the Lakers. 
Um, I think they're going to come out this season hot. I don't think they have the legs to work a whole 82 game season and become a, a home court advantage type of team. But in October, you got mm. the adrenaline, you're feeling fresh, you're feeling great. You think you can do it. You don't, you don't even frustrated think frustrated and annoyed too. You know, yeah, you've got a chip on your shoulder probably for one of the first times in, in LeBron's career. Um, but uh, stranger things have happened, but I'm going to go with the Lakers in this one. I've got Portland two and one, which I would consider a massive success given yeah. that. I, I think the Lakers get this one. Um, I think LeBron James is just something that we can't even address. So he could go absolutely nuclear on us, and we really have nothing to do to, to stop him. Obviously, Anthony Davis is a threat. The backcourt finally doesn't worry me, which is great. But uh, I think Dame's going to go ham, and I think LeBron's going to go ham. And then I just think Anthony Davis against Jeremy is going to be a little too much, and that's going to be the edge. Um, but I, I could definitely see your use of having a big game. And then this might be a shading game because of the 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 prodding big that he can attack offensively. So I, I think Shaden Sharp's gonna have a big one. If if Shaden Sharp plays well in Los Angeles, that's uh, gonna be dope. <laughs> like real talk, I got Ivaka T because watch Shaden Sharp this year. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Like I, I was like, I, I don't want to mess with the streams. I, I'm going to be home with a little one in the in the in the winter months, and you know, while in between feedings and and nappings, like, kind of kind of want to watch some games. Um, Does, is there a DVR like somebody, function yet? No, unfortunately. So I got to be ready. That's that's what I hate about Root Sports. I can't. I can't watch it wherever I was like with Comcast with NBC sports. I could watch it on my phone. I could watch it on the computer. I could watch it on my PlayStation. Like root sports really is just trash. It's, it's, it's horrendous, trash. Mm-hmm. but there's no contract. So if it starts looking like we're going to be talking about uh Wemby and scoot, you know, we can uh, go back to old, old radio <laughs> and, uh, and YouTube. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's never, it's always a it's always a party here on the Holy Backward podcast. You, you have to be really- you have to, as a Blazer fan now. You have to be very versatile uh, with how you watch games. So I, I I think good hustle with trying the streaming service that doesn't archive games, which I think is straight bullshit. But if I lived out of Market Sage, it would cost me a hundred bucks, and I could archive every game. Yeah. But now yeah. I have to pay thirty bucks a month, and I I have to watch it right when it starts, like it's nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, that's it's such bullshit, man. Like even the radio industry archives it and puts it on podcasts with the with, with an actual TV station that has knowledgeable people. I assume They're like you know we we're not archiving it. We don't want to make as much money. Root Sports is awful, and I think that's how we should end this podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google <laughs> Play, uh, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, and uh, everywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, we will be back next week. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!